Hello, and welcome to Covert Castaway. I'm Holly. Je suis Stéphane. Join us as we share what we learn and how we're making the transition to liveaboard cruising. So today's podcast, we're going to talk about stuff and all of the stuff you do or don't need on a boat, uh, just based on our experience. What do you think of this topic? I think it's a good one. Yeah, me too. Moving on a boat is a great opportunity to revisit your shit. (laughs) (laughs) Get rid of a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We get a lot of um, questions to our sailingowen at gmail.com about, you know, moving on to a boat, what should you pack? Um, and, and just obviously this has to do with, you know, moving onto a boat to live for the purpose of living aboard. This isn't a charter, um, topic so much is like what you think you really need for a boat. So we thought this sort of, um, kept to its own topic in terms of a podcast and wanted to spend some time on it. Um, so yeah, I mean, we just want to share our experience on, on what we've done to downsize and what we learned after the first couple seasons living on a boat. Yeah. And what we're doing doesn't have to be right. And it's just kind of what the conclusions we came to and, and realize that what we naturally are coming to is also what we hear that what happens naturally with cruisers that are buying second boat, third boat. So yeah, maybe, uh, maybe if you hear that, then you can fast forward the first boat, second boat and equip your boat and bring stuff on it as if it was your third boat. Yeah. So that's right. So, you know, we sort of were talking to some people about this and it seems like the more boats people have uh, go from boat to boat, the less stuff they have or the lighter they prefer to keep it. So both in options and personal stuff they bring on board. Right. Yeah. And so on this opportunity piece, you know, you can kind of take a whole new perspective. I think it's easy to, um, you know, at least it was for us when we were still thinking about a boat and what we wanted to, um, have on the boat, we were thinking of it in terms of how we were currently living our life and what we thought we would need to sort of transfer that life we were living onto living on a boat. So, that's what we did the first time on our, on our first boat. And so, um, you know, now we're kind of looking at it at the opposite angle, which we'll get to, um, but just wanted to kind of talk through that. The other thing is, um, we've been living sort of more nomadically, I would say over this past year between boats because we're traveling and moving around and going back and forth. And so we've been living out of a suitcase or two. Yeah, that was true with when we traveled inland in Turkey. Then we came back with just minimal stuff back in home in Tahoe. And then we traveled to Guadeloupe, to France, and we basically have a couple bags. Yeah. And still... We're we moving had, around, yeah. Still, we had probably too much. Yeah. And we learned from that, too. We thought, oh, we're packing so light. We only have, you know, a duffel bag and a mm-hmm. backpack or whatever. And then, you know, you're schlepping all of this stuff from Airbnb to Airbnb to hotel to wherever... And still you're not using, at least I wasn't, I wasn't using even half of what was in the bag. But then when you're packing, you're like, oh, I definitely need this. I definitely need this. And mm. what you actually use is completely different. And it's such an interesting phenomenon to me, like how we 
you know, even with very little stuff, we still only use half of, of what we have. Yeah, I think it's it's not something like you say, okay, I'm going to decide to minimize like no and and then you get it right it's it's going to be a learning process yeah and everywhere you go you're like okay you have to be analytical about it and be okay i haven't used that yeah (laughs) so next time next time i should not bring it and it's literally blood sweat and tears to schlep these bags around you know like whether it's on the trains or at the airport or public transportation, public transportation when you're trying to get somewhere. You mm. know, we had a car when we were in Europe, but I couldn't imagine how we would even get on a taxi or in a Uber if yeah. they had it. Like, how would you even carry that stuff around? Granted that we brought some stuff that we had in storage in my parents' house with yeah. the idea that we would leave it in like on mud, but... We ended up bringing it back to my parents. So we but even t- if you take those things out of it, it's still yeah. a pain. Like, you know, someone yeah. is holding the parking spot while the other person, you know, comes around. And it's just, it's just a big headache. So yeah. the less stuff you have, just generally, the better um, and the more portable you can become. Yeah. And it's, and, and there's nothing I can think of. Like, you'll be like, oh, I don't, I don't have this, this yeah. particular clothes or this particular Every Water. once in a while, you're like, oh, I wish I had this pair of shoes to go with this. And then you realize you don't really need it. Yeah, I know. It's so it doesn't true. matter. People don't look at it. <laughs> yeah. So let's start way back when we decided to downsize. And that might be where a lot of people are coming from is, you know, maybe they're living in a house and are at that phase of life where their kids have moved out and they're downsizing and moving on to a boat. That's kind of a general milestone. Not everybody, but let's just start there. So... When we downsized, we had lived in our house. I'd lived there for 20 years. Um, You know, we just accumulated so much stuff that you don't even realize. So we downsized from that. We moved into... And and I mean, we accumulated... It was a big house. Mm -hmm. It didn't look like... Because none of us are like... No, it wasn't cluttered. No, it wasn't cluttered at all. And I took pride in the fact that I got rid of stuff and I didn't have that much stuff. But once you unpack the attic and the garage and, and the shed. shed and everything else, you know, you end up with like it in, in up. cupboards and everything. It, it It's like the more space you have, the more you put in it and you open up the cupboard and you go, oh, there's not very much in there. But when you, when you unpack everything, it's actually a lot. Mm-hmm. So we downsized from that and we had, um, what was it? We had like, we, we don't, we sold some stuff online and then we sort of, um, decided to have a garage sale or a sidewalk sale or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And so we started getting rid of stuff and then, and then the next day it was like free. (laughs) And then the day after that, it was like paying someone to come and take the rest of the dump. I mean, and then we donated a whole car full of stuff. It seemed like that first go round. Yeah. I mean, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, seeing it go, we're like, Oh, now we have nothing. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, and just shoes. So I had a little shoe closet, you know, that I, I felt like, okay, this was like the minimum set of shoes. I ended up donating like 30 pairs of shoes and I didn't think I had that many shoes. So, you know, you don't know how much you have until you literally start counting, Mm. you know, the stuff, um, and, and all the stuff in the bathroom and just products that, or, you know, half full bottles, you know, that you don't want to throw away or whatever. I mean, everybody can probably relate. So, so anyway, we got rid of all that and we said, oh, we, now we're like really downsized. We don't have anything barely. And we moved into a little apartment. Um, and 
what happened? Which was still like a three-bedroom, you know, it's not that small. <laughs> well, all the rooms were small. The, the yeah, footprint yeah. was small. I mean, it was three bedrooms, small. but it was small, yeah. And then whatever we had left, we thought was minimally stuff, suddenly like filled up that new little house. Not only that, but the garage was full too, to that house. And so we, we thought we were good until we got into a smaller space. So basically first round <sighs> was a fail. No, we, I mean, we got rid of though three quarters of yeah, our yeah. stuff. So we took a quarter of the stuff, we put it into this little apartment. Um, and we picked an apartment smaller than other apartment apartments we looked at because we knew eventually we'd be living on a boat and we were like, Oh, what would that be like? So we actually on purpose wanted a small little kitchen with mm. only a couple cupboards and that sort of thing. And it was still, so basically it was iteration number one. Yeah. That was the first iteration. And you get attached to stuff. You're like, Oh, this is my favorite mixer. This is my favorite thing. I mean, you don't get to attach this. Well, you had books and stuff, I guess. Yeah, but I gave away a lot. Yeah. I mean, I brought some on the boat and now they stayed on the boat. And so, yeah. <laughs> ultimately, like, you know, you, yeah, you yeah. just get rid of stuff. Yeah. So, whatever your form of sort of storage is, whether you have a place to go back to, in our case, we have a house um, that in the mountains that we, uh, we. So, that was iteration number two. Right. Yeah. So, what happened is kind of in the midst of like COVID and stuff. So we rushed to move physically here and then we donated. And got like rid of our lease. Car. And, yeah. We basically it was trash day. The next day you could dump everything in the street. I mean, that was a lot of stuff. Yeah, we got and rid of And we it. moved to Tower with one car full one of stuff. One car full of stuff. Yeah. So that was like iteration number two. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we brought up a couple boxes of like family photos and you know, the box of Christmas ornaments you can't part with, you know, obviously we kept those and we have those in our, in, but so whatever your form of like storage is, so maybe you have a place where you're still living, maybe you have a storage facility, maybe you have a basement somewhere, you know, there are things that you just don't want to part with. Um, some people sell everything, mm. but there's still, we, we always hear, you know, there, you still have things that you, you want to keep somewhere. Um, so from this point, this is where I get a lot of the emails is, okay, so should we buy everything in the U S and put it in a container and no. ship it? <laughs> <laughs> um, and the cost of shipping for these containers has skyrocketed. I think when we were looking at it, it was like $5,000 or something like that. And it took months. I mean, it, it wasn't like a easy and it was process. complicated. Like some companies that used to do these from door to door, like stop doing it. And but now is the and cost the customs, of shipping. Yeah, it's and then if you have a small container that they bring at home, you'll fill it up. Yeah. So like you, you're starting on the wrong foot. Well, I mean, based on our opinion, yeah. I mean, so some people put thought of everything they could possibly have on the boat, and they shipped it on a container. It shows up. It goes through customs. They unpack it, you know, through all the logistics of getting it. They move on to their boat and their boat is completely set up and full. Hmm. And so that's one way to do it. There's a <laughs> million ways of doing it. What we're sharing is what we think yeah. for us, like what what we're slowly through this iteration process right. or learning. And, and what so seems when we, to be in line with yeah, yeah. what we hear. And so what we did is we took um, two duffel bags two backpacks and two, ba two carry-ons or something like that. 
we didn't have that much stuff. And, and it was like the stuff we brought from like our clothes basically and, and our toothbrushes and some things like this, you know, like some personal items. Um, you know, our, our Fally jackets that we liked, um, that sort of thing. And then everything else we bought where the boat was locally in, in La Rochelle. So, um, there, depending on where you're getting your boat built, if you're picking your boat up in one of these, um, you know, uh, towns that is just builds boats and is full of Marina products, anything you could possibly imagine you can buy. And, um, just in doing the math and eyeballing it, it seemed like some of the products were actually less, um, than they were in the U S price for price, even with currency exchange. Um, some were more, some were less, but at the end of the day, it all sort of evened out even with currency exchange. So I think people are concerned about, you know, the currency exchange and the VAT tax and stuff, um, which may have been a bit more, um, but anything, major that you put on a boat for temporary export is actually that free. So there's ways to account yeah. for that. I mean, when you take into account the, the cost of shipping, especially today, I mean, that's a lot of stuff you can buy mm-hmm. for that and brand new stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and if you equip your boat with 220, like just, you know, there are not that many appliances and stuff like just, yeah, it's best to buy it over there in 220 and it is. be done with it. And, yeah. And you have like major chains in France, you know, like Carrefour and Le Roi Merlin would be like for tools and stuff, would be the equivalent of um, Home Depot and stuff mm-hmm. in the US. You have uh, obviously you have IKEA, so everybody knows. Um, yeah. These all the sports, you know, like Decathlon, Decathlon. in Europe. It's yeah, everywhere. it's like the best thing ever, Decathlon. It's like super good quality products that like you know, really competitive prices. So, so you can find some major chains and buy everything you need. Yeah. And the stuff I, I, like I said before, it's much more, it seems much more affordable, especially in places like Decathlon. I can't even think of an equivalent from, um, you know, a store that's in the U S maybe it would be like target for sporting goods or something like for every single sporting good sporting activity you can imagine. They have things for it. Um, so that's really good. So, uh, so yeah, so people do it differently. That's how we did it. Other people show up at the dock with their bathing suits and step on the boat and then figure out, I, I mean, there's this super minimalist version of that probably, which is actually, I think where we're at, <laughs> you know, in terms of what, what we want to do, but we'll get to that in a minute. Hmm. So let's start with setting up the boat. You know, I mean, we talked about this in previous podcasts, just things that we realized we didn't use that much, like the generator the washing machine, the dive compressor, and um, more minimal use of the AC than we thought. Like when we used the AC, we definitely needed it, but um, I don't know if we needed all six units that we put on it, uh, which was the only option. Yeah, no, I mean, when we needed it, it was at a marina and we were in the salon, Mm -hmm. so that's where you needed it. Which meant you were plugged to shore power and the generator. So it it just meant we didn't use the generator as as much as we thought we would either. Yeah. And and at Anchor, I mean, we really worked on kind of airflow, even putting like a fan over the hatch to kind of Mm -hmm. bring the cold air from outside to inside. And and whenever we turned the air conditioning on, it was like for 30 minutes, half an hour to just cool things down. So... Yeah, so basically we definitely didn't need like six units. Yeah. Um, and then Yeah, and so and then with the washing machine, I think I mentioned before, you know, we only could use it really when we were plugged into shore power. 
Uh, I think you could use it with the generator on, but we we just never. We did. had an inverter that was like two thousand watts, and it was a little too 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 little. Three thousand yeah. would have worked, and you know, so so. But in any case, that was not even the issue. It's like by the time you just wash. I mean, when you're at anchor, you're just not wear, wearing that many clothes, honestly. And then when we were, I mean, we didn't even have to be in a marina. If you're just anchored out, and you're going in for groceries. There's laundromats, there's laundry services. People will actually take it for you. They'll they'll meet you, pick it up from wherever you are. They'll pick it up and then you you schedule kind of a meeting place and time and they hand it back to you. And it's not that much. And and that's when you can add the towels and sheets right. and stuff. So it's it's like much easier than doing it yourself mm-hmm. with your little machine and and so it comes back it's all folded and stuff. And mm-hmm. then the regular clothes just in the shower. Your swim trunk take a shower, yeah. <laughs> wash it at the same time, reuse it the next day. Yeah. That's kind of what happens. Yeah. And before we move on to personal and household items, which is really kind of the meat of what this is about, that we just want to touch on these big systems. And the one last thing was the dinghy. So, um, you know, everybody has a different view on this. So we're just sharing ours. Um, you know, there's the nice center console, big, heavy dinghies, which are very nice. And, you know, if you think of them like a car, but they're heavy and um, they're cumbersome to kind of take down and, and get back up if you're one person doing it. Um, they're easier for people think they're easier to drive because they have a steering wheel. Um, but then to, to actually e- e- beaching them is difficult, which happens. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the temptation is to say my dinghy is my car. Right. And I want the nicest car possible because that's where I'm going to move around. And so I think it's, the, it's yes, it's your car. It's, it's the stuff that's going to bring you around. But you can have like a big American car and mm-hmm. with like four-wheel drive, like lots of space, heavy. Or you can have like a European car. <laughs> or <laughs> a mini. Just like very practical. Or a mini, yeah. Yeah, not even going to a mini, like just the, the European Small, cars are smaller. Yeah. They're just for the usage that you, you need, you know, and it's much easier to drive them around in parking lots and stuff. So it's like our philosophy is like, yeah, it's a car. We're not going electrical on the outboard, um, but we're, we're going with just a small dinghy because we, we're we not thinking of it as, okay, how much length do we have between the the two hulls, you know, as kind of the, the max dinghy you can get. We're not thinking of it as or one day or some days we might have eight people, you know, we want to be able to take everybody around. And we're thinking now, you know, day-to-day use, 80% of the time or more, it's going to be just the two of us. And, and that dinghy, a small lighter dinghy is going to, um, to be sufficient. And then that means we're not carrying that huge, heavy dinghy at the back of the boat all the time. And uh, yeah, and if we need to beach it, then the two of us can do it. Yeah, um, easily. And then you don't, you, it's easy and, and light and small. And even, you know, God forbid it gets stolen, you know, you haven't, you don't have like tons of costs. Um, mm. Obviously there's insurance and whatever, but it's just sort of, you know, it's just, it's just simpler for us. Um, so this is, this is a topic and I'm just speaking from my experience just to change topics here. You know, I feel like when you move on to a boat, you, you kind of go through this mental transition where you want it, it's nesting, right? It's like, I want to live in a, a nice little area. I want it to feel like a home. I don't want it to feel like some stripped out racing boat. 
you know, that's, that's like all practical, but no, like, I don't feel like it's mine. I can't connect to it. And so, you know, when we got on our boat, I was like, there has to be some comforts from home that, that I, that I feel like, okay, this is, this is, this is my new space. And, and I think also there was every boat looks kind of the same. Yeah. So you want you to, want to like personalize it. Yeah. Not make it feel like it's a boat, but more like kind of a, yeah. a home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I'll have to say like, there are things that you absolutely, that are important to you that you should absolutely have. Like to me, I wanted a nice espresso machine and, you know, that's just a part of my, um, my morning ritual. I enjoy having a good cup of coffee. You know, that's important to me. So, you know, there's that certainly there's other ways to do that more simply, but, you know, so I do think it's important to kind of pick a few things that you really care about and have, have nice stuff. Um, and then what we also did is, you know, I care about things like the sheets and, and, you know, the towels and the blankets and these kinds of things. So all that stuff mattered to me. And, it, you know, to me made it more like, okay, this is our little space and this is, this is, we're all color coordinated and I like it and stuff. But in hindsight, um, there's some different decisions I would have made. Like for instance, um, a couple things I did do is just picking the right types of fabrics. So like microfiber dries quicker, you know, which in waste environments for sheets is, is good because you can get them dried more quickly than a, like 100% cotton sheets and stuff. So so that was good. Um, I got big cotton towels, though. And later I ended up buying the Turkish towels that were thinner. Yeah, better. Yeah. But the other thing is, is I kind of wish I didn't buy so much in the beginning because we visited some really cool places, mm-hmm. um, Greece and Turkey being two of them, where I would have wanted to buy stuff from there you know, to make part of the home, like, oh, this would be nice to have, but, oh, I had this whole, I had this blanket, I have a blanket like this already from wherever it was I got it, where I feel like it would have meant more had I bought it along the way. And stupid stuff, you know, like, I don't know, like the oil and vinegar, like Greece had these really cool oil and vinegar things that I was like, oh, I wish I, you know, could do that. But I had bought this other one for like $5 or something somewhere else. So I didn't need it. So I don't know. I kind of felt like maybe it would have been good to buy less in the beginning. And then you pick up souvenirs and stuff that you want on your boat that are nice along the way that maybe you would have made different choices on. Yeah. And it's a challenging process because I mean, our philosophy was let's get everything ready yeah. on day one. So then we don't have, have to, to worry. worry. Yeah. And yes, there is some comfort into this. And you think like, hey, you're there, you're equipping your boat, so let's let's go and buy everything. But it takes a little bit of the fun and the adventure because you're going to visit yeah, those yeah. different countries. So so that's definitely something I mean it's it was the same for like the tools and the spare parts. Like we, we equip it with the thinking like tomorrow we'll be in the in the French Polynesian island. It uh, won't far have away access to anything, like, yeah. yeah. And that was not the case. So obviously, if you move into some exotic remote places, then that's a whole different, you know, approach. But if you're going to spend a few years in the med, then you have everything around. Yeah. And, um, and, buy, and it's more buy it as you need it, it seems like. I mean, you, maybe a basic set of tools, you know, is good. Yeah. But I think you have this period of time while you're sort of shaking your boat down the first couple of years and getting used to it. You can kind of grow into things. Yeah. Um, there are certain things I wouldn't like the, the pressure washer thing. 
Like that was awesome having that for sure. Yeah. But yeah. you know, that's, that's a personal preference. But that's right? something you're going to use regularly yeah. as part of like, you know, preventive maintenance on your boat. But like, obviously if you're buying a boat that you're fixing or if, if you have like, you're like the DIY guy who likes to do a kind of project. So you're obviously going to bring more tools on board. But mm-hmm. if you're buying a boat that is like fairly new, new then and you're not going to do like major projects then you need the tools for like 80 percent of the jobs Mm -hmm. and and if there is like a major issue um sure i mean it all depends also on budget but you know there's a good chance that you know i mean if you have the expertise is one thing if you don't then there's a good chance you might kind of hire somebody mm-hmm. um locally to do the to fix the problem so then they they have their own tools and then spare parts is the same thing we bought spare parts for like you know four years or something and you know to keep in mind too like tools spare parts i mean stuff over time it's going to age so if you have a fairly new boat and you don't need the first few years like all these tools and spare parts yeah. then, then you know don't bring them on board yeah and then just keep it like one set of spare parts just have the basic tools yeah and keep in mind i mean you don't want to rely on other cruisers but it's it's it, a nice like, way to not, meet people <laughs> not 100 percent. what i'm saying like you you don't go with like nothing and yeah yeah like, yeah, hey, yeah i need a, i need a screwdriver yeah. no <laughs> but if you have your basic set of tools then you know this is nice you have this this you're part of this community and and people are going to be happy to to help you and well, who other. was it? We we had you had to replace the steering wheel brake or something, oh, yeah, and we yeah. need some special part. And we're like, okay, who's going to have this claw <laughs> thing? Whatever. What was the name of that tool? I don't remember. Oh, I don't even know. Like how and, it's called. And so we were friends with um, with uh, Stephen and Kim, and we're like, hey, do you have this weird part? And he's like, oh yeah, I have one on my boat. You know, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> some random tool. Yeah. So it was a good way. Yeah. To meet people. Um, for sure. But that same, same that goes with tools kind of goes with galley stuff, you know, like I, I wanted to have the whole set of, you know, the nesting pots or whatever. Mm -hmm. I ended up using two, um, full cutlery for like 12 people. And later I probably would have gotten different kinds that didn't show the water spots because there's always, you know, calcium in the water or whatever at the marinas. So it was always looked like there were spots on them. I would have done something different. So there's stuff like this that you kind of learn that, you know, I kind of wish I had done the bare minimum and then just bought it as I need it, needed it, I think. Um, yeah. So you want to talk about like some other stuff like, um, bikes and that's another question we get, like, would you buy bikes or, you know, scooters or whatever? Yeah. So, I mean, the first, I think question comes, it's like, oh, should I buy bikes or scooters? Uh And, and to us, it became logical that scooters were more like a toy you know it's like it's convenient if you're going to spend to spend month at a marina and you need to zip along on nice sidewalk streets to go like to the you know whatever to the store and stuff like you know that's that's a that's a great way to move around but if you have to buy one one of those items um that is going to be more versatile i think the the bike allows you to carry like much more stuff you can it's easier to like lock it somewhere versus like carrying you i mean i guess you can lock your scooter but so to us like the the the, The folding bikes were what we bought at, at the time and you know we used them um, we went on bike rides as much as we did just trying to go down to the hardware store, you know, and, and when we were at different places, but 
anywhere that was worth really visiting, like the islands and stuff in the, like in the med, um, rented bikes right there on the marina. So, and by the way, like some of these places have hills and if you're trying to take a folding bike with those itty bitty wheels up a hill, like it, I, I struggled. Yeah, no, it's not <laughs> no. designed for that. And so then I was kind of wishing I had like a, a electrical assist bike, you know, in some cases. But mm-hmm. even so, you can rent mountain bikes and stuff for not very expensive at all. Yeah, it's, it goes a little bit along the line of the, the laundry services. Yeah. Like if you have places that are, that are going to be like you on an island, like all the places we went to, they were renting like mountain bikes, electrical, electric bikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then whenever there were hills, they were renting basically like scooters, little motorcycles. Mm-hmm. And, and so most of the time we ended up doing this. Renting and, the motorcycles, you mean? Yeah, yeah. When we wanted to travel around the island, mm-hmm. you know, to be able, or when it was very hilly that you understand if they mm-hmm. rent that, that's, that's, yeah, there's, a, there's reason. a lot of hills. So yeah. you don't take your little bike and, and then the bikes, like, it's not too bad, but it's still awkward to bring that down in your dinghy and then bring it out. And it's, even if it's light, it takes it's effort, it takes effort. And then pretty soon you end up just not doing it. Yeah. And, and it's not that we're lazy. We, you know, it's just, it's just, we sort of like, ah, oh, we'll, we'll just do this or that. And, and then you have to find a way to, where to store it. And yeah. we found a good way, but that's, that's, you know, so now what we're thinking about is. But let me just mention one thing before you yeah. go on is the other thing is the, um, the folding bikes rust really quickly. So when we did passages, um, even if for a couple days, and then we would open up the, open up the cover we had for it, for the bike, we'd have to clean it every time. And so the, the, to maintain the rust off the, off the bike and the gears and, and all of that was definitely way more than you would do on land. So that's yeah, something was, to keep in it mind. It was not too bad because it was inside the cockpit where we'll store them and then they had a cover and then we had oil and, you know. The yeah, but it was still, parts. all I'm saying is it's still a lot more maintenance. Than yeah, that's another thing, that, you know. Another so, thing to clean, yeah. So now what we're thinking about is we might take one folding bikes and the purpose of it will be like if one of us needs to go to the store, to the channelry or something, like we can we can go do this, kind of like a little car on land, I guess. Uh, but we're not thinking of bringing two bikes or two electrical folding bikes. So when we're going to do yeah. you know, outings, because then we'll find places where we can rent them and that's what we'll yeah. do. Or we'll hike, we'll walk. Yeah, yeah. So so that's the, the kind of bike situation. Um, and other toys, I mean, obviously the, um, the inflatable... Uh, uh, the stand-up paddleboard. The stand-up paddleboard obviously is like you have to have. It's amazing yeah. for so many reasons, including the med mooring and you know getting to. We we actually would take use that to just get to land instead mm. of even dealing with the dinghy. And um, we had one long one, and we will just kind of use it that yeah, way. Both so. of us would sit on it. And, yeah, and we could even carry groceries on it um, too. So mm-hmm. that was all fine. So I guess the tips for living on a boat. Um, is, you know, to use the 80-20 rule. How would you describe the 80-20 rule? Yeah, I mean, 80-20, I mean, even some cases, 19-10. And, 90-10. And 90-10, yeah, no, 19-10. <laughs> um, yeah, to really, I mean, basically, you're going to have to make a set of decisions for yourself along the way. And 
if you take each decision individually, it's so easy to just be like, oops. To justify that you need more yeah. or more of things or whatever. And I yeah. think you need to extract yourself and be like, okay, what's our guidelines? What's our like, you know, operating rules that we're going to apply when we make selections? And that's true for options for the both. And that's true for what we bring on board. So, And I think what you mean by 80-10 rule is... 80-10? Sorry, would you say? 80-20. 80-20. Or 90-10. Or 90-10 is, is that... You have to think in terms of the most of the time that you spend on the boat. So sometimes you think, oh, but I'm going to be entertaining all these people all the time, or my family's going to come visit, or, you know, I have to kind of plan for, for like this biggest case scenario mm-hmm. and actually do the opposite. Yeah. I mean, like the dinghy we talked about, yeah. you know, it's like if, if 90% of the time that's going to be us Yeah. and, and the, the 10% or even 20, but 10% of the time you need to do Two, two trips. Two trips. Yeah. Because it's you, not a big deal. You have to load stuff. It's just like then simplify your life with yeah. a smaller, lighter dinghy and then do two trips for that ten percent of the time that's going to happen. So that's one example. Yeah. The other one that's that's silly and it sounds kind of camping like, but honestly it's so easy, is if you have a lot of people on the boat, they're typically either your family or they're other boaters. And so so in the scenario where it's your other family, you can get you know, um, disposable plates or cutlery. Like you don't necessarily have to carry all that stuff. If it's other boaters, everybody kind of does potluck. Like it's sort of a, it's well understood that everybody brings something and that sort of thing. So it's okay to say, Hey, can you bring a couple plates or whatever it is? So it's not that big of a deal. Again, it totally depends on your style, but this would be completely acceptable and no one would bat an eye, you know? Um, so just kind of giving you the full range of options. Like you don't necessarily have to plan for 12 of everything when you're, when you're stocking up. And and the reality of like friends and family, I mean, it sounds good initially and depending where you are, I mean, the logistics of, it's hard to get some people. Yeah. It's, it's hard. And then, and if you are like, you know, in an area that's closer, like, you know, it's still not super easy to know in advance because they need to book their flights. They need to, you know, to know if they maybe spend the first night, you know, in a hotel, there's a lot of questions and yes, you'll, you'll eventually have friends, families, but it's not as much as what you think. Based on, I mean, we're not super, like our, our kids aren't flying out every week to see us on the boat, you know, cause they have their own lives going on. I'm sure there are people that have friends who come a lot more than, you know, we do, but I guess generally what we're saying is based on what we're observing and talking to other people is you start out thinking a lot more people are going to visit you than actually do. And so that's just something to keep in mind. Yeah. Because you're the planning to for it's doing difficult. trips like this and yeah. you're planning are just hard. Yeah. They don't align. Um, yeah. And then the other thing that we kind of have a rule is, you know, we ask, always ask ourselves, okay, does, is this a single purpose thing or can this have dual purposes? Mm-hmm. Now there's some things I mentioned, like an, a really nice espresso machine. You just, you're just going to have that cause you like it. Mm. Right. But in other instances, we always try to think about, okay, can this be used for something else? Too. Mm-hmm. And then that helps us kind of justify having it on the boat. Um, you know, so I think that's something to just consider as well. Mm-hmm. Any other advice you would have? Yeah, some, some key words. Um, we got the idea from Utomer, like when they design the, the inside and the outside, they go through this study and they come up with like three key words. 
And so we said, well, what about we, we apply that same philosophy on, on how we want to equip our boat? So, so what are three keywords we came up with? Uh, simple, light, and badass, I think, were the three words. <laughs> no, they, they, we combined simple and light to lean. Oh, we did? Okay. Yeah. So that's lean, badass. <laughs> what was the third one? I don't know, but the point is we, we use the two words, simple and light or lean, to kind of, for us, keep top of mind for us to make sure that we knew kind of does it pass this little litmus test. Um, so I think that... Did, did we forget the third one now? Well, I don't know why we... <laughs> now he's got to look it I up. I have to check my notes. But I think the reason is if you kind of establish these, then it becomes like, uh, you, you know. It's a guiding principle for exactly. how you think about, you know, what you want to do and how you want to spend. So when you're on the fence, you're like, well, let's let's go back to like 80-20 rule. Let's go back to like, you know, simple double, double usage or, or like yeah. or, or like or keywords. But th- what happened last year is one of our big things was safety. And we're, we, we kind of put everything under the safety lens, this little safety litmus test. Mm-hmm. And the problem was we ended up like everything started being about safety. <laughs> so... We end up putting way more stuff on the boat because we could justify it to ourselves that it helps support the the safety objective. So anyway, I mean, I think just sort of setting some guiding principles for yourself, I think that's the point of the exercise is to just come up with some things that keep you generally honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just, you know, I think, like I said before, remember to... Um, you know, this is an adventure and you're going to experience different places. You're going to have, you know, nice memories. You're certainly going to have pictures and everything, but it's nice to have little souvenirs that you can have on your boat that remind you of all the places you've been. Um, so you you can't really do that if your boat's really full. Mm. Um, so give yourself space to kind of buy things along the way. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's an adventure what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so, if you don't have everything, just it just goes under the the umbrella. If it's part of the adventure, those are the memories you're going to keep, yeah. and um, and so uh, it's okay to to not have everything. That's the way we're looking at it mm-hmm. um, at hand. Yeah, and um, you know. So and the problem is, you know, you you buy these boats, and you know, there's the the some of these boats have a lot of storage, and you feel the desire to fill them up uh, because it's there and. You know, you don't necessarily need to do that either. Hmm. And or you're listening to a lot of advice from different people and you're like, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, we got but sucked you, into that. If you don't apply your own filter, your own like rules, then quickly you can, you can, you can just say, stuff like, the boat. sure, let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you have a heavy boat, which, you know, sort of back to yeah. what we're trying to solve for. Which you're going to carry 100% of the time. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think regardless of buying a performance boat or buying uh, kind of more of a blue water cruising, heavy catamaran, kind of, you know, yeah. no, catamaran or mono, it's still every kilogram every pound is going to add up mm-hmm. and um and then it's going to take space so it's going to be like you know less storage a bit more headache every time you need to move something so it's i guess it goes back to i've never read the book but it's kind of like the Marie Kondo type thing you know like does the, it bring you joy yeah does it bring you joy and the less stuff you have you know the more clarity or the more like you know space in your head you're going to have so i think that's maybe something also to think about. Yeah, that is true. Good. Well, we hope you enjoy this episode. I found the third one. Oh, what was the third one? So lean, uh-huh. badass, uh-huh. modern. 
Modern. Oh. Yeah. So those are the yeah. one to three words we're kind of helping that helps us to kind of guide, guide yeah. our decisions. And- yeah. And so the, we're evolving, you know, as we're kind of trying to figure out even, you know, what, what kind of artwork we want on the boat and what we want the boat to feel like and, and that sort of thing. But we're still really striving for, for the lean aspect of simple and simple yeah. and light. So good. Well, uh, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you have any comments or questions, please shoot those over to us at sailingowen at gmail.com. Fair winds for now. Bon bon. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another covert castaway. Fair winds for now. Oh, 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 o